I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to BoxingForFree.com's podcast. Back in the summer of 2012, one thing that annoyed me during the coverage of the uh, Olympic Games was hearing a lot of people like Dan Rayfield piss and moan about how no Olympic boxers from the USA won any medals. Bad enough that nobody's won a gold since Andre Ward back in 2004, but they were really dejected because last year they didn't get a single medal. I kept pointing out to a lot of people that Clarissa Shields on the women's team won a gold, but it seems that some of these people still have a second-grade, no-girls-allowed mentality and pretended that it really didn't count. I said at the time that just because you win a gold medal, it doesn't automatically translate into that athlete becoming an international superstar and moving on to becoming an all-time great in the sport. I cited Andrew Maynard from the 1984 Olympic Games as, as an example of that. You can now add Audley Harrison to that list as well. Yeah, I'm sure he's made a good chunk of money in his career. I heard that he got uh, $1 million just for his pro debut alone. But after getting stopped by David Price as well as Deontay Wilder, each in less than one round within a period of less than six months, he knew that it was time to call it a career. And what I'm saying is not in any way an attempt to detract from what Deontay Wilder did. He did what he was supposed to do and what was expected of him. He went in against an older, faded veteran, somebody who was 14 years older than him, and laid waste to him in less than 90 seconds. Now, granted, we uh, we shouldn't treat this like it's an incredible accomplishment, like nobody's ever stopped Audley Harrison before, but still, he did what was expected of him. Wilder, uh, Wilder's certainly living up to his nickname, the Bronze Bomber, and amazingly, none of his fights have lasted more than four rounds. Now I think it's time for him to face another rising star in the heavyweight division, Tyson Fury. Fury has knockout power as we saw in his last fight against Steve Cunningham, and I think that he would probably be the best opponent Wilder's faced in his career. For Deontay, you have the uh, best member of the 2008 Olympic boxing team going up against the best young heavyweight on the other side of the pond, and I think Fury is the best opponent he would have faced by this point in his career. Someone needs to make that fight happen, because even though I've said the heavyweight division isn't a, uh, a treasure trove of talent, a matchup like that would start to get people paying attention to a weight class that certainly needs the attention. And uh, what the heavyweight division doesn't need, and I think what all of boxing doesn't need, is for James Tony to keep uh, his, his career going on. As uh, you may or may not know, James lights out Tony, a Hall of Famer for sure, fought his, uh, or I'm sorry, he fought this past Saturday in Melbourne, Australia against hometown fighter Lucas Brown, losing a uh, one-sided 12-round decision. I didn't see the fight itself, but I did see pictures. Oh, uh, yeah, it just didn't look good. I I certainly hope that whatever whatever happens next, if Tony wants to continue his career, up to him. I don't think he should. But I hope, and maybe he knows it too, by now, but I hope he stops talking about wanting to fight one of the Klitschko brothers at this point. James, you're a legend. 
You know more about this sport than I probably ever will. But you're not going to get that shot ever after this. Tony hasn't really done anything that warrants him gain a shot at any of the heavyweight champions. Maybe one significant victory that James Tony has scored within the past 10 years. Vasily Jirov? Well, that's kind of stretching over the 10-year mark. I mean, if you're doing it 10 years from today, yeah, you're kind of stretching it. But it happened in 2003, so I'll let that slide. That was April of 2003. Okay, what else? Okay, he did score a knockout of Evander Holyfield that same year. But was Holyfield really any good after fighting Lennox Lewis? Yeah, he did win the heavyweight championship a fourth time, but that was in the the dullest trilogy of heavyweight championship fights I can think of, and that was against John Ruiz. And speaking of John Ruiz, that fight in 2005, that was a great demonstration of Tony's ability in offense as well as defense. I mean, that shoulder roll that he would do, Oh, that, that's beautiful. I like to watch that fight every once in a while and just see how he did that. It's beautiful. But sadly, all the goodwill that that fight gave him, I got pissed away very quickly because as soon as Tony pissed, they said, Hey, there's, there's anabolic steroids in your piss. After that, nothing really impressive stands out. A no contest with Asim Rotman... I mean, I don't know. Also, why does he always come into fights looking really out of shape? I mean, can he not put in a Billy Blanks Tybo DVD, just do that for an hour a day after his regular boxing workout? I mean, I have respect for James Tony, but time to call it a career. We'll see you at the buffet. And it seems that a lot of people are also saying that Amir Khan may have to call it a career sooner than he may like, unless he can really change his style and avoid getting hit so much. Khan faced off against Julio Diaz this past, in, this past weekend in the United Kingdom, where Khan hasn't fought in over two years. Uh, he was down in the fourth round, but was able to get up and win the fight. However, there were a few times in the 10th and 11th round where he did look out on his feet. Vladimir Klitschko was able to change his style after some knockout losses, and in fact, he only lost one fight after started after he started training with the late great Emmanuel Stewart, and that was their first fight together. After that, he's been undefeated for the past nine years. I don't see the same thing happening with Amir Khan and Virgil Virgil Hunter. I really don't. He keeps talking about how he wants a fight with Floyd Mayweather and how if he loses one more he can forget about getting a fight with Floyd Amir I think that you should have stopped thinking about Floyd the moment Danny Garcia knocked you down and you had no idea where you were people have got to stop trying to make themselves a big name via Floyd by saying oh you know I, I want to fight with Floyd Mayweather when you know all you're doing is beating somebody who doesn't warrant a fight with Floyd Mayweather. 
Manny Pacquiao didn't make himself a big name by doing that. He did it by going into the ring, beating the ever-loving crap out of whoever was in front of him. And he just let the he just let the fans decide. He let it build. Anyway, I think that Amir is going to have to work a lot harder with Virgil Hunter if he wants uh if he wants his career to continue to be successful. I really do. Meanwhile, the last person to beat Amir Khan, Danny Garcia, was able to score a unanimous decision over Zab Judah this past weekend, and even had Judah down in round 8. I was thinking that this might be a tougher fight than, uh, than it turned out to be. Judah is a really good fighter for the first four rounds of a fight. After that, he... I don't know, something happens. He wilts, or the, the, the talent just... It stops coming through, but he, he he just doesn't seem to be as good. I mean, unless he wins all four rounds, then, I don't know, something just seems to switch off. He loses confidence. Like, oh no, I've lost the, the first four rounds. You know, what am I going to do? I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but I've always seemed to think that Zab Judah's a really good fighter for four rounds, and after that, I don't know. Uh, as for what's next for Danny Garcia, I would really like to see him take on some of the uh, uh, some of the uh, other younger stars of the 140-pound division, specifically people like Lucas Matisse, um, Mike Alvarado, Brandon Rios. Those are fights that would put butts in seats, especially if it was someone like Mike Alvarado. And speaking of butts and seats, this weekend is the most anticipated fight of the year so far as Floyd Mayweather Jr. puts his undefeated record on the line against Robert the Ghost Guerrero. This is a fight that I've been looking forward to for quite some time as those of you who follow the podcast know. I've been interested ever since it was uh, announced that it was going to be Devin Alexander instead of Guerrero. But... Anytime Floyd fights, it's going to be a big deal, and he's made sure that this fight is nothing less than that with his new deal with Showtime, and as well as what the next 30 months leading up to his retirement are going to bring. So, how do I see this fight going down? From the opening bell, and for the first few early rounds, let's say three or four, I think Guerrero, Guerrero is going to try and take control and get ahead on the scorecards. Guerrero has to be careful not to be too wild with his punches because if he gets careless Floyd is going to exploit that and he knows how to. He'll also try to get Floyd on the ropes and keep him there but I anticipate that Floyd is expecting this and I'm pretty sure that if you're undefeated for as long as he's been you know how to fight off the ropes and do it well. I think Robert is going to have some good moments in this fight, but Floyd's going to have even more good moments. Remember in a previous podcast when I compared Floyd to the Borg from Star Trek? Like the Borg, he has the ability to analyze and adapt to what an opponent's doing or done to him. We've seen him do it in the past. De La Hoya's jab was giving him trouble for a little bit. He was able to overcome that that or De La Hoya just stopped jabbing but who knows either way Floyd was able to do it Shane Mosley Shane Mosley it looked like he might have Floyd out in the second round 
Floyd was able to come back after that and clean Mosley's clock. And yes, Miguel Cotto was able to get Floyd Mayweather to bleed, but you know, this isn't Predator. Just because, you know, if if he bleeds, we can get the decision. Yeah, you can, but it's going to be really hard against Floyd. I think you have a better chance against the Predator. He did get tagged in his last fight. Yes, he did bleed more than most of us have ever seen before, but other than that, were there any real signs that he was slowing down? In my eyes, no. I do like Robert the Ghost Guerrero. I mean, and that's not just because he follows me on Twitter. But he does seem like a genuinely nice guy. But I don't think this is going to be his night. I'm not saying that uh, it's going to he, that he's going to get knocked out, but I think that Floyd Mayweather is going to get a clear unanimous decision for this fight, 117 to 111. I am not predicting any knockdowns. I really hope that uh, I am right in this prediction, because as some of you may know, I've been on a bit of a dry spell in predictions, so I really want to, um, I just want to say I really hope I'm right in this case, but at the same time, if Guerrero, if Guerrero is able to pull the upset convincingly, I won't be too disappointed. I, I do like surprises every once in a while. Anyway, feel free to email me or tweet me if you agree with my decision or not, or with my prediction or not, and also let me know how you see this fight going down. Be sure to go to BoxingForFree.com, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and yes, be like Robert the Ghost Guerrero, follow us on Twitter. Anyway, that's all we have for this episode. Uh, tune in next time because I will be going over the fight, what happened. I will be watching the fight live at my local sports bar. I might be doing some live tweeting. I don't know, but I probably might have an article up the next day depending how quickly I can get one out. Anyway, I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time.